Hey group members, in this episode we talk about a lot of different fears and phobias, including fear of dogs, heights, diseases, giving blood, and many more. So this might not be the episode you listen to while driving, or if you're worried about having an intense reaction. If you do listen, enjoy. Hey all, and welcome back to Group Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Kristen Casey. I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. Jessica Rabin. I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. J. And I'm licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. Speaking of, it's your birthday, Kristen. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Thank you! We're so excited to have you here with us today because you normally work and you want to spend it with us. So thanks. Um, and it's spooky season. And this week's focus is all about fears and phobias. So settle in, take a seat, and welcome to group therapy. Last week, we focused on ADHD. We always post a reflection question on our Instagram. The reflection we left with the group members was, what myths about ADHD were dispelled for you because of this episode? We read through all of the responses, and I wanted to share some notable ones with you. So one of them was, I really appreciated the discussion about adults not growing out of ADHD, but that their symptoms just look different. I thought that was a really cool one too. Mm-hmm. Someone else loved learning that some people with ADHD can, for example, play video games for hours, but then not focus on certain things because of the constant dopamine hits. It was another good one. And the last one that I found was learning about ADHD was eye-opening and validating from my own experience. I thought that I love that. Thing. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people said that. Yeah. I even got some DMs that said that. And I was like, Same. this is great. Yeah. Like, Love it. The, the thing I was surprised that we didn't get was how nuts Kristen is for all the life hacks that <laughs> that she gives out. I got that, that episode was full of them. Nobody I got to the laundry. I, I look at my socks differently now. Like, I really do. <laughs> you don't look at your condiment drawer differently? Okay, wait. wait I'm trying to forget that. I, I put all my spices into a drawer now. Like literally no. based on our conversation, and it, it's like so mind blowing. I'm like, fuck yes. Why would you put? Why would you put spices in a drawer? No, seriously, because then you could see all of them instead of them in the cabinet, yeah. and you can't see through. You know? I could, Do you I not have get, a spice rack? That. No. Oh no. Yeah, maybe okay. I should have just got a spice rack. Yeah, I'm not an adult yet. <laughs> I will bring you all into the condiment drawer. No. Never. It will happen. I refuse. I eat vegetables. Makes one of us. I don't. I'm sponsored by DoorDash and Uber Eats for the rest of my life. I love it. (laughs) I'm sponsored by Duncan, Justin. I'm not sponsored by anybody (laughs) besides Candy Corn. Me either, K10. And not Candy Corn. I love it. So, what do y'all think when you hear the word phobia? Like, what comes to mind? Clowns. I was going to say that. KVI. (laughs) And cockroaches. Mm. Snakes, Ew. heights, the hole one, the one about little holes. What? Uh, what yeah, are you talking like about? That. Do you guys have you ever heard that one? No, oh, guys, it's like a phobia that you don't realize you have until like you look at it. So like if you Google, don't actually do this, group members, because you're gonna be really mad at me. But if you Google like tiny holes, it like mm, gives you the heaps. I like can't. Mm. I'm pretty sure K10 is googling that right now. Oh, great heavens. I never, I need to delete my search history now. This is that. Oh my God. I feel so grossed out right now. Ew. Yeah. I told you. Oh. Don't do it or do it because I know you all are probably just going to do it because that someone's telling you not to. 
it, because oh. of your defiance issues. Isn't it kind of like suggestive in a way? Because I remember the first time someone brought that up to me and I did look it up and it was like, because I was like kind of prompted, I don't know. I kind of mm -hmm. felt like you're kind of suggest that this is going to be a bad thing. But I, I, when I look at those images, sure. there's something unsettling. And I'm like, it could be a sponge. But I'm like, now I'm mm. a little freaked out by my sponge. It's so gross. True. All of the above. Yeah. I, I think it's all I'm never going to, I'm not going to sleep tonight now. Thanks. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that we threw out like a lot of like stereotypical things though? Like the big things mm. like snakes, mm -hmm. clowns. Mm -hmm. How often do you, do you treat phobias and fears? How often does it come up in clinical work? And does it come up in the way that we just named? I would say social phobia does, but like, mm -hmm. I, okay, now that I'm like actually pausing and thinking, I have treated needle phobias before live, uh, working in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I've never treated anybody for like a clown or cockroach phobia. I would probably have to refer out because I would have my own issues and not be an effective psychologist. I've treated. No, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think the ones that I've treated or worked with that person is social needle um, driving mm -hmm. was was a big totally. one. Mm -hmm. um, but those are probably like the most common. I don't like clowns are not, is not a common like because I feel like I mean, if someone's probably listening, someone of the group members is probably like no clown phobia is so debilitating to me but i feel like we're not running into clowns every day thank god thank the Lord. <laughs> god, yeah. right right but like things like needle phobia and like a medical mm -hmm. setting or like mm -hmm. social phobia or fear of heights or things like that like we tend to run into those things more often mm -hmm. totally i've treated um i've actually treated quite a few phobias the driving one comes up a lot needle phobia white coat phobias mm -hmm. um and with some of the treatments, depending on the type, I mean, usually it's exposure with response prevention, you know, um, and for listeners, what that basically means is under supervision and therapy, um, you'll basically, how do I describe it? You'll kind of get acquainted with the phobia in really small ways. Like it just say, for example, you have a snake phobia. Um, you'll look at a picture of a snake. You'll talk about a snake before you ever, ever come into contact with it. And then you prevent yourself from responding the way that you normally do. So instead of like running away or screaming or whatever people do when they see snakes, if they're afraid of them, they'll try to sit with the feeling. And the whole concept is that the anxiety reduces as you get more acquainted with it. That's mm -hmm. the, at least the treatment I've done in private practice. Absolutely. I, I was thinking to myself and now, you know, the term we use more, most often is social anxiety. We don't really call it social phobia anymore. But I, I think that's the most common one, especially like I've worked a lot at university campuses where freshmen coming in, like how overwhelming is it to start at a university in a new, a lot of people, new city, new town, new environment, and all these new people. Like it's just, you just see social anxiety run rampant. But a lot terrifying. of the- so terrifying, right? And you have to adjust. You have to find your your group of people and find where you belong and get exposed over the long haul that this can start to feel like home and we're not hiding away in our dorms. But it is, it's really interesting to think about a lot of the, the fears that we think about, like clowns, spiders, snakes. Sometimes they're a fear and other times they're a phobia. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if listeners know the difference or how you all think about the difference. 
So when I think of the the difference, like I think of a phobia as more of an irrational fear in the sense that like going back to clowns, like KBI said, the likelihood of us running into clowns is very minimal. The likelihood of me engaging with a clown is very minimal. However, when I see a clown on TV, I have this like significant panic and fear and like that it's going to hurt me. It's scary. And the reality, like it's a clown on TV. Like there's no threat, actual threat where a fear I think of more as based in like reality in a sense. Like I don't want to invalidate people's experiences now that those words just came out of my mouth. But like, you know, you may fear heights because if you are walking on a bridge that doesn't have any sides to it, there is a potential danger that you can fall off. Or you may fear getting in a car after a car accident. So it's based more in reality. But I would love to hear y'all's thoughts because that's kind of where my mind goes. I I think a lot of it too depends on how debilitating it can be. I find that phobias and, and anybody and disagree with me if you don't, but I find that phobias tend to have more debilitating symptoms versus fears. And again, fears can have those debilitating symptoms for sure, but I feel like it's like that spectrum of scared. So you have phobia that's on one end and fear that's on the other. And there's that wiggle room in like, again, phobia, like you can have a fear of driving that turns into a phobia to the point that either you never drive again or you won't even get into a car with someone else driving. Mm -hmm. Like it starts to bleed into bigger, bigger, bigger pictures. It's not just one instance. It starts to become like, instead of I'm fear driving myself, now I'm fearing, um, being a passenger in a car. I'm fearing being around a car. It starts to inhibit on your life. I think that's what I think about too, KBI, is like impairing your life, you know? And I think about, it's like, what does the DSM say? I was just reading it, like marked fear, like marked anxiety relating to it. And I think, sometimes I think about this too, like would that item or trigger or whatever it is, just say a clown, would that incite a fear in every single person? And sometimes... Not everybody's afraid of clowns, right? But so I think if it's like a generalized fear, you know, then I could think, oh, anybody might feel a little uneasy about that. But if it's a phobia for you, it causes like marked distress, like KBI was saying, you know, and it's like really hard to recover from and not everybody might feel that same way. So that's kind of how I think about it. Totally. And one of the differences, because y'all highlighted a lot of things that I think of is the avoidance where it's like, I'll use myself as an example I, for me, I fear heights, but I do not have a phobia of them. Meaning I will go up on a ladder. I'll put up the holiday lights. I'll go out on a balcony. But like the first time I go out on your balcony, if you live in some high rise apartment in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, wherever, I will feel my gut be like, like I'll feel it. But when you have a phobia, ain't no way you're putting a foot on that balcony. It's the way I think about it. Like I'll go over a bridge. I might even look over the side and I'll feel like, whoa. And I'll feel a little bit of fear there, but I'm not actively avoiding it. Where it's like, I think of all the people I've worked with who meet criteria for a phobia. They're not going on that balcony. They're not going on that bridge. Or if they are, it's debilitating. Like you have 
said, you're on all fours. It's feeling like you can't stop shaking. But it's like, yeah, like a scary clown. Like I could see me being, like, it'd be a little fearful for me. But it'd be different to be like, I can't walk by the clown, you know, at Halloween Horror Nights down here in Orlando. I can walk by the clown. But again, difference between something we have the fear or it's like a true phobia. I love all that y'all are saying because, I mean, and we talked about this in last week's episode too with like ADHD with regard to the impairment. And I think of too hearing you all talk about fears, you know, like you gave the example, Justin, you'll still get on a ladder. You're probably going to be more cautious about it. Maybe like, you know, making sure that it's on steady ground, it's pulled out like further, but you're not going to avoid it. Where I think with phobias, like you are actively avoiding the feared thing. With fears, you know, you you may, I guess, depending. Like I try to avoid clowns, <laughs> but that's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to bring up clowns like every time I can. I are you really so afraid of? No, I'm like, like terrified clowns, right? of clowns. Like, Wait, so really quick, really quick story. When I lived in Jersey, there was this guy who was dressing up as a clown and like scaring the shit out of little kids. It was like really fucked up. Like it was like not okay. But like I was like, who, first of all, who does that? And second of all, like who is the time? Third of all, like I became afraid of clowns for a little bit. I was like, damn, this guy's gonna pop out of the mm-hmm. woods because you never know. And it wasn't even around Halloween. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like you're so weird. So. <laughs> But I guess going back to how I was defining like fear versus phobia, I feel like that would be like a very appropriate and fear. Like it's not (laughs) out of proportion. Like if there's a chance a clown's going to – oh, this is making me anxious just talking about it. Anyways. um, You're sweating. (laughs) I know. I am. Um, But yeah, I think like fears can also, you know, help us be maybe more aware, more cautious in a way. Mm -hmm. But phobia is like we're not even going to touch that. We're just going to run away. And avoidance makes it bigger, I think. You know, I think we talk Mm -hmm. about that a lot in like trauma treatment and just different um, evidence-based treatments for anxiety and fear and phobias and all that. I mean, and it makes sense that it's a coping skill for people. Like, I don't want to be around the thing that's making me so anxious. But I think it's hard for people to to lean in as well. I know it's hard for a lot of my clients are like, you want me to do what? I'm like, listen, it's not that hard. Like, it's okay. But for them, it's like, the biggest deal in the world because they're mm-hmm. like, I literally feel like I'm going to die if I do this. Like, um, well, and it's, it's terrifying. And, and we're wired in biology to keep ourselves safe. Fear keeps us safe. So when we, and, and so if we take ourselves way back to like caveman times, when we felt fear, we didn't go to that because usually if we felt fear, we die. Mm-hmm. Versus now, like, obviously we don't have woolly mammoths and T-Rexes coming around, stomping around and, taking us out but can you imagine but like instead (laughs) instead we have a million other things that we never could have imagined now we have covid and airborne illnesses and cars and planes and space and aliens um but we're not gonna go down that i want to talk about space so bad but i'm not gonna because i know it sends you into a spiral (laughs) but that's the thing is is fear keeps us safe right we don't why don't we walk to the edge of the Grand Canyon and lean over. Some, I mean, some people do, we're thrill seekers, but a lot of us don't because it's fear. We don't want to fall in. And so um, when we look at that, we look at fear as a safety measure. And so that gets really, really um, 
that gets really uneasy when we when we tell ourselves like even again let's go sit next to a clown our body is telling us fear even though maybe cognitively we can say that clown is probably not going to do anything to us but biologically animalistic brain back here little pea brain is telling us whoo and we this is my favorite like we flip our lid and we're back to animal and we're back to animal brain and clowns are dangerous it's so wild what our brain does like mm. you know and it associates certain things with with fear you know and and maybe i, I think with uh specific phobias if i'm thinking if i'm thinking about the dsm you know those specific phobias wouldn't cause this distress in everybody right but for that one person for them and their brain, they're like, this is like you talked about KBI, like this is like literally not okay. Like I could be, I'm looking at this like a bear chasing me in the woods. Like it just feels really off and it's, it's yeah. hard. I think that's why in a lot of ways, like people can like teasing each other. We like to joke around and there's a big difference for me. If you're trying to develop more compassion generally for like people suffering from any mental health thing, it's like, You'll see the difference when someone fears something and when it's a phobia. Like I, I yeah. just, especially working in clinical settings where you see the big difference. Like I could probably show up to this wearing a clown mask and y'all would be mad at me. You might yell at me, but Jess, Dr. Jess might have a much bigger reaction where it's hard to regulate. It's hard to come back from. It might be hard to record the episode. And that's Absolutely. where it's like- a phobia is not it's like not like any of these things are funny they're not they're serious but it's like I, I that's a easy way in my mind of like you can joke around with the fear to a certain degree but when it's a phobia it's not funny because of the mm -hmm. way it again hijacks someone's life and their fight or flight response and again there can be severity differences here but i think a lot of times people think oh this fear i'm gonna joke with you you i'd be careful if you're joking with someone's phobia Mm -hmm. Again, different degree. Yeah. So a question ju that just popped into my mind, like I know earlier we were talking about the type of phobias that we have seen in clinical practice. Do any of y'all's clients like bring up fears that they actually want to work on or are they usually like to the extent of a phobia because it's impacting their life? Because off the top of my head, I can't – like I can think – going back to the joking, like I can think of clients that have joked around about like, oh, I'm like really scared of spiders, but it's not like a treatment goal. Mm. They're like, That's oh, I just have my partner like yeah. deal with it. Right. Right. I want to avoid. Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting because I have a couple of clients who have come to me specifically to work through certain phobias and then some have actually came out through the course of treatment. Like I've had actually several clients who have the, a fear of – um, throwing up, like vomiting. Like they just mm -hmm. can't, just the thought of like being nauseous sends them into a spiral. They're like, oh my gosh, what if, what if something happens, you know? And they just go into that fight or flight mode. Um, but for clients like that, they didn't come in specifically for that. But when they get sick or something happens or they're feeling uneasy um, and just say we're working on like body shape, weight stuff or PTSD or something mm -hmm. like that, it'll pop up and I'll be like, let's, let's lean into that. Like, what is that? And most of them are like, absolutely not. You know, but I think it's ethic. You have to think of ethics too. It's not like you could do exposure with response prevention for something like that. You can't like force someone to vomit, right? To get them to get over their fear. But I think you know you could cope ahead and stuff. So for me, it's been a mixture of both. So I fun fact about you can't force somebody to vomit. I when I was interviewing, I think it was at Ole Miss. I interviewed with a um, professor who studied emetophobia, the fear of vomiting, mm -hmm. and she would self induce vomit in front of her 
clients to expose them. No way. Yeah. What? Wait, hold on. Wait, what? <laughs> I cannot no remember way. her name if you're listening to this. But oh, when God. you just said that's not ethical. Mm-hmm. But it could, I guess you're right though. Like you're, I mean, I mean, shit. Wow, my mind's blown right now. Because I mean, that's not the healthiest probably. <laughs> like, right. But yeah, that's how she ex- did treatment. Like she would vomit. So they exposed, that make, yeah. They, that makes sense technically. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes sense. I would just imagine like who wants to who wants to throw up like in front of oh my god, I would lose my mind. Like I'd be like, this feels so uncomfortable. You know? Like I guess that's the whole point is to get a I think KBI right? just died. <laughs> her soul just left her dude, body. Dude, when my kid throws up, I make my husband get it because I will vomit and I refuse to vomit. Yeah. You know, it's not to steer it a different way, but like, it's funny because with things like that, I'm wondering like how much of it is a phobia? How much of it is an automatic reaction? Because the thing that parallels for me is like, I can't give blood because I just pass out. I wouldn't say that I am like, I don't feel panic symptoms. I don't feel like intense anxiety. That's a classic phobia. But if I'm around someone giving blood or I attempt to give blood, passing out immediately. So it's like, I've always wondered that. I'm like, is that a phobia? Or like with the vomiting thing, if you're around vomiting and you just vomit, like, is is this something different? I don't know that I have the classification for what that is. I just think it's gross. (laughs) I mean, I personally will do everything in my power not to vomit. And see, I don't care. Like if I'm Mm -hmm. sick and I'm like, you know, I want to feel better. I'm cool. I'm down for the ride, you know, but some people are like, absolutely not. Like I'd rather. I'm with KBI on this one. Mm -mm. But I, but I am also on the other hand, I have a very weak stomach. So like if my kid throws up his dinner on the kitchen floor, I'm like trying to keep myself together to the point that I'm like cold sweating Mm. because I will not. mm, mm -mm. It's so funny how like certain things are aversive, right? And to Justin's point, it's like, is it a fear or phobia? I think that's really the question. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard too because when I look in the DSM, there's like certain qualifiers. Like there's animal one, there's like blood injection, something injury, mm-hmm. um, other things. And I, I just think about like, like for me, like my I have a needle phobia with getting my blood taken. Justin, is that the one that you have? Yes, I don't mind things being injected in me, but mm-hmm. like if you go to draw my blood, I always have to lay down because I just pass out, and then I wake up with smelling salts. But yeah, keep going because <laughs> I don't want to steal this as like someone diagnosed me out there, but I'm like, I don't feel like I'm fearing it though. Like I can talk I, about it or whatever, but if you draw blood from me, I will pass out. See, it happens for me too, but like, and I was an EMT on an ambulance and I, I literally couldn't, like I could stick other people with needles and stuff, but once I saw the blood go in the vial, I would pass out. Like I, mm-hmm. I can't even, I even, I even struggle to talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. cause I'm like, oh my God, yikes. Like I just can't, you know? Mm-hmm. Every time I pass out too, Justin, like you're not alone. Um, I've tried everything like deep breathing and music and everything, but it's the fear response right before. And then once I'm getting my blood drawn, like, and I do pass out, I'm like, you better keep going because I'm not waking up and doing this when I'm like awake here. Just get all, get everything you need yeah. while I'm passed out. Um, and then even afterwards I have this like post response, but I, I've, I've had this, I call it a needle phobia just with getting my blood drawn since I'm like 13. It's like, and I have no idea where it came from. Seriously, no clue. Mm. None of my family could even give me any information about it. I have no idea where it comes from, but it's so terrifying each year when I have to go to the doctor and they're like, you want to do labs? I'm like, absolutely fucking not. No, (laughs) 
I got to work myself up to do it because it's so fearful for me. I just can't. Um, well, and that's where kind of like, how do you work through a phobia comes in? So that's how I used to be. I used to avoid any like opportunity to get my blood drawn. Then I got diagnosed with a thyroid condition that required me for once a month for like six months to get my blood drawn. And then I was told like every six months you you have to get your blood drawn for labs. I would die. And oh so one of the things is, is, is one that started in systematic desensitization for me. But what I did was, is I also said to myself, what can I do to make this less painful and less hard? So like, for example, if I ever have to get blood drawn, I'm like, right here, right here's my vein. This is the one you stick right here. She pops out every time. You got to warm her up a little bit, but she will, she will give you what you need. Because I've learned that that is, I like, you don't, like, they don't have to poke around. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to cut you off. I, we just answered. I'm about to pass out. Like, yeah, I can't. Okay, just you slapping your arm. I was like, yo, I'm about to die. Like, I have a phobia. Yeah. I, <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. Never mind. Forget everything I said. <laughs> Forget literally everything I said five minutes ago. I like, I don't think I have a phobia. I have a phobia. I, I almost passed out. I'm sweating right now. I can't handle it. All right. So, I mean. You're welcome. Yeah, I was about to say, we are all licensed professionals on this podcast. So, um, KBI, I think we can go ahead and officially diagnose both uh, K10 and Justin with a needle phobia. K10, you got yeah. pale. <laughs> I swear to God. Sorry I can't that. even like. I seriously tried to work with a therapist. This is one thing I don't want to work on in my life and I'm avoiding it so much because I just don't want to deal with it. But like I worked with a therapist and they showed me a picture, a picture of a blood vial. I passed out in the therapy room, fucking out cold. I was like, I, how am I going to get over this? How am I going to get over this? Like, so I definitely have, I know I have a phobia. It's just. Sorry about that. Didn't, didn't, sorry. Acceptance is the first step. Yeah. Yeah. This This was exposure. Exposure. Systematic desensitization right here in group therapy. Let me know where to send the bill. That was helpful for me. Thanks so much. I'll send you my you. my Venmo. Thank you for that. I'm but waiting th- for the blood to go back to the rest of my body. Like I'm just- just, it's interesting because like this was to Dr. Justice's point of, like a little while ago of like, you know, do clients come in and sort of name this as a problem? The only ones that have, it's sort of things that are so commonly intrusive. Like I've treated mm-hmm. a dog phobia before. I did treat a snake phobia, the dog phobia, snake phobia, but it's like, I think a lot of things like this can be avoided and it's like, to what cost, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're asking yourself out there as you're listening to this is like, whatever phobia you might have is like, does it hinder your life? Like I think about for me, it's like, I do have to get blood work done, especially having the neurological disorder. It's like, I have to do that pretty regularly. Um, Obviously not regularly enough to get over it, (laughs) but- Enough that it's, if I had to give blood drawn like every week or something like that, then it would. I, I feel like I would definitely get myself into psychotherapy to focus on that. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to think about that. Like I, I, I like, oh my God. If I, I literally Googled everything. Like, can I, can I finger prick and put it in a tube and send it to a lab? I, I just hate the idea of like, my blood leaving my body. Like, I just don't like it. I just don't, fi- I just don't like it. It's the blood's supposed to stay in there for a reason. Like literally in my mind. And exactly, like, I can't what, handle you're, it. <laughs> exactly what you're saying though. And I agree with everything you're saying is the perfect model and the energy of like a phobia, right? Because mm-hmm. you'll see people say it the same way. We shouldn't be on a bridge. You shouldn't be a pie. Like why are we a pie? Why are we hovering over 
28 stories in the air on this high rise. Why are we on this balcony? And it's like, it's the same sort of energy, right? I feel it. Like it's the anxiety. It's the, the fear just grabs you. And you're like, this isn't right. But I like, that's how people describe when they're standing in grass and they have a snake phobia. They're like, this isn't right. Like, why would you want to be around a snake? A snake could be there. A snake could be in that bush. Don't walk by the bush. But that isn't it interesting? Cause I'll, I'll walk by the bush. But if you have that snake phobia, your mind is like there. But there, if there could be a snake in there, why would you want to confront a snake? Exactly. And I know with me too, like the th- like cockroaches, that's another thing mm. I, and I know exactly where that came from. I lived in a not so high class apartment complex and shared a lot of space with cockroaches. Um, but like, I have this distinct memory, like years later, there was a dead cockroach and my husband wanted me to pick it up. And I literally went into full panic mode. I put on an oven glove like, because my fear was, what if this comes back to life? Like, what if it like jumps? Like, and, but it's irrational. It's irrational. And I think that's part of phobias too. Like your mind jumps to all of these, because literally I remember thinking like, well, what if it comes back to life? What if it attacks me? What if it, like cockroaches, like tiny and compared to And me. you're compensating, right? You're compensating for the fear with the oven mitt, right? It's like, I think people do a lot of different things, like just to compensate and deal with the anxiety too. Um, like just to Justin's point, maybe people like will avoid grass or something like that, or the avoidance mm-hmm. is real, you know? Like I'm concerned that a cockroach can survive a nuclear war, but died in Jess's apartment. Wait, is that true? <laughs> This was actually in a house that I was living in. This was post like, apartment. I'm, I'm, I'm wait, I live in wait, South Carolina. Have- we have palmetto bugs. There's a lot of bugs down here. Like, it's gross. Wait, they could survive a nuclear war? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh my, I'm pretty wait, sure they can also, if you freeze them and then unfreeze them, they like live still. So maybe only that's where I fear. Only you would know that. <laughs> But I know, like, we all have, like, it's it was so interesting, like, human to human, right? We all have such different, like, fears and phobias. I would say, like, the most common fear, like, fears, like, I work with existential. It's always existential fears. It's fear of someone leaving me. Fear of, like, what happens after I die. Mm-hmm. Fear of the future. Fear of the present. Um I find that those are the most common fears that I that that I work with in this line of work. Like, again, like for someone to really want to work on a fear, it has to reach phobia level, mm-hmm. um, or it's a fear that now is impacting like a fear of needles, and now it's impacting like I have to get blood drawn. Like, but most of those things, the fears that we work with are like those existential ones for sure. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking like working with kids and teens, a lot of my clients fear like failure, whether that's academic failure, fear disappointing their parents, fear getting in trouble. And, you know, those going back to kind of how I conceptualize fear, like based in reality, like those things are a possibility. And I would say we do work on those things because it's also not helpful to have significant anxiety surrounding the potential that you're going to get a B instead of an A and in turn disappoint your parents, et cetera. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And it's so funny with a lot of those things. Cause I, I'm like thinking of fear of rejection, another big one, right? It's funny how a lot of times like you want as a therapist, your client to be able to experience that thing and learn that you can survive it. You went on the date, you rejected, you were into them, they weren't into you. It sucks, right? No one likes to feel rejected. No one likes to feel like, you know, you failed the exam. But I, it's so hard when you've had those clients who have never experienced the thing that they fear the most. And it's funny how it builds this huge mountain where I feel like a lot of times in life, the best asset we have is experience because it shows like we're hardier people that can endure things and live through it and know like, yeah, that sucked, but I can keep going on the other side of it. Yeah, people don't realize like their actual resilience until you have to deal with the thing to your point. You know, like if, if you're, if you're fearful about like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to do with that presentation? Or how am I going to do with A, B, and C? You could think as much as you want, but until you actually do it, you probably be okay. And if you're not okay, I mean, you're still going to get through it unless it's something like super dangerous, you know? Um, but I always tell my clients, I'm like, just do an experiment and just try, just show up and see how it goes. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to do it again, depending on what it is, you know, but at least at least say yes, and then give yourself the opportunity to say no once you've at least arrived and tried, you know? No, I love that. And I know, uh, K-10, earlier you are talking about like exposure with response prevention. I know, you know, when I've worked like – We've, we've alluded to like the hierarchy. So like pictures or I'm thinking of a client I worked with years ago that had like a really severe social phobia. So f- first exposures were just like walking in the hallway and, you know, potentially would see a client or, or um, another provider or two. And then it was, you know, saying hi to that. And then we gradually increased. Um, and I know things like learning to manage the anxiety uh, surrounding the fear. So whether it's mindfulness techniques or other coping strategies to pair with that exposure is really important. Cause I know mm-hmm. like back in the day we did flooding, not we, but pre us flooding where you just like threw the person into their fear. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what other strategies have you all used to treat fears and phobias? So I can, I can speak to flooding a little bit in just the capacity that I feel like flooding works when it is fear level. When it is phobia level, it does not work. So for example, I had a fear of roller coasters. Like I would, you wouldn't even get me on the little teeny like dragon coaster at the local fair. But I was, I don't know, maybe 15. And I went to Hershey park for all my PA people. Um, And it was right when the Storm Runner came out and all my friends were bitches and peer pressured me and guilted me and shamed me into riding it. And here's the thing. When you challenge me, I'm a rise to the challenge. So this bitch rode front seat. Damn. I was like, you know what? You think I'm not going to get on it? Well, fuck you. Well, fuck you. I'm going to ride front seat on this go zero to 60 roller coaster. And for this park at the time, this was an intense coaster. I for, remember for, that coming out at her in Hershey Park because I'm from the East Coast too. Yeah. It it or at least up where you are, it's it was crazy. I can't believe you sat for, front row for for <laughs> that park at that time. It was intense. It wasn't like no top tier dag, dragster at Cedar Point, nothing like that. But 
road front seat, I was almost shitting my pants on the verge of tears. I was convinced I was going to get off this roller coaster and I would have pissed my pants. 100%. I was convinced. So I got on this thing, rode front seat, and I and I ride every single roller coaster every time. Look at you. Okay. Impressive. I proceeded, I, That's I incredible. to fall in love with roller coasters and we'll ride front seat like the Velocicoaster in um, Universal. Rode it twice when we were there. We'll always sit front seat in the Hulk. All of that. But it was not a phobia yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and that doesn't happen all the time to, to all of our group members. That doesn't happen all the time because I, I played a risk. I played the risk that I could have peed my pants and I would never touch a roller coaster ever again and it would turn into a phobia. That just reminds me of all those videos you see of people like freaking out on roller coasters and like passing out and then waking up again <laughs> because they like – every time. We're so scared. The G-Force. Or or they're scared. I I just remember uh, Six Flags in Jersey. There's Nitro, if anybody's ever been on that one. There's like a corkscrew. And I literally pass out every time and then I wake up. And I'm like, is it me just being weird? Or is that like G-Force energy? Like I have no idea. But every time I'm like, I don't want to go on Nitro because of that. So it's an avoidance because I'm fearing, like losing control, I guess. But it's not a phobia. I just love that you shouted out Cedar Point. That makes my Ohio heart... Where everyone makes fun of Ohio. Love Cedar Point. We have Cedar Point. Hooray. Millennium Millennium Force. So so good. The nostalgia coming back for me. That was like the one thing we had in Ohio. Yeah. It's (laughs) the the one thing thing you have in Ohio. You have like Skyline Chili or whatever that's called. That's Cincinnati. It's gross. Know, it's it's what it is. That know, that's fine. It's fine. But if you're from Northeast Ohio, that Cincinnati energy is just a different energy. Shout out to Is my- Ohio considered the Midwest or no? Yeah. We're the farthest east state that's considered the Midwest. Good to know. Is Ohio even a state? Wyoming's not. <laughs> Do you hear that conspiracy theory? We, oh have the most, we have the most astronauts, I hope you know, that come from oh. Ohio. Okay. All right. Those people go to Spain. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. They they don't want to be in Ohio either. They want to go so far. They want to go to space. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. That was, that was the setup. Okay. You, you totally. I shouldn't have set you up like that, to be honest. But that was, that was good. That was actually pretty good. Good. <laughs> I will see myself out now. <laughs> KBI has exited the chat. Because it's your birthday, I'll give you that one. No, you'd give it to me regardless because it was good. Well then, possible. <laughs> stop fighting, Mama. Bear. We're spi- we're we're spicy today. I just can't stop thinking Thank about you. getting my blood drawn. I, I literally like I keep I keep I thinking feel- about the next time. Like <laughs> I'm terrified that someone listening in group listening to this to like. It has passed out. We should do a trigger we're warning still for playing. sure. We yeah. probably should because I don't want somebody to be driving. And like pass out or something or us cause a new phobia or fear. Can you imagine? I'm picturing I'm picturing Justin editing this podcast. And editing this. You could take all this. All of it's done. <laughs> just cut the whole thing. The whole you just see your intro music and it goes right to our <laughs> <laughs> And then we just avoid all of it. Sorry, Justin passed out again. I passed out for a third time. Oh my god! No, I, I. That's why I love these open conversations because it allows you to reflect and learn about yourself. Because for me, it's mm-hmm. like 
I think of those questions. Yeah, exactly. Like you named, what's the difference between a fear and a phobia? But that, I feel like that helps people because I, I do feel like fears are super common mm-hmm. and phobias, the general stat, which you can always talk about underreporting is it's 13% of people at some point in their lifetime will meet criteria for a phobia, which I, I think is still pretty high. It is. Yeah. Because yeah. again, I'm always like, oh, that's underreported. So I always assume it's more than that, but 13% is high. But I think all of us relate to, there are things that kind of freak you out, that you fear, mm-hmm. but you can do exactly what KBI named. Like you can mm-hmm. you can get yourself to tolerate it. But when I see a phobia, you just know without therapeutic intervention, it's going to be so difficult. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd be interested to see what that 13% breaks down to. Like- specific phobias like or like even just groupings like what are animal phobias like social phobias i'd be interested to see that breakdown me too yeah candy corn number one phobia listen (laughs) straight up okay so i was at the grocery store i still have not purchased candy corn because i have such a complex now because you guys like i seriously have not bought any like why would you waste your money because it's good I'm done. I can't. I can't win this argument. I don't plan. I don't want to win. I just want to normalize candy corn. You know what I mean? And people who like it, you know, it doesn't make us bad people. So you're normalizing eating trash. That was mean. Just to come alongside and talk about the trash that I eat and to share a moment where this is where my brain goes. I thought I was buying a Reese's Nutrageous. But I didn't look because I was rushing in my normal stress out state. And I bought an outrageous. Wait, like, I mean, what, what is an outrageous? For you? Wait, what is the difference? Y'all, an outrageous has was so candy sick, pieces in it. I'm like, oh, it has Reese's. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Wait, let me just. Taste test. There's candy pieces in the middle of it. A nutrageous. Okay. Has most of the same things, but not the candy pieces. So they rebranded outrageous because it wasn't that big of a hit. So you got Reese's pieces in it, pretty much. I like how Jess quantified it as an upgrade. (laughs) It's like you went from like the master suite to the master suite with the balcony. You know what I mean? Exactly. Listen, hopefully you don't have a fear of heights, so you can enjoy the balcony. Exactly. I remember when when we were in Florida, Justin sat on the balcony and no. he like he was no. he was sat there and he was like, mm, "I'm not sure about this." And I'm like, "Sit your ass down." That you were filming was- up against that balcony, KBI, like <laughs> just like that. And I wasn't. Just- I didn't. I was not getting near that I don't ledge. Know. I, that's a lie. I have a video of you getting near that ledge. No, I want to see video evidence. I will. I'll send it to you after this. I do remember you being really close to the edge at one point, Justin. Overcoming that fear. That was exposure sure. therapy. Exposure. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I got to give myself more credit. I don't recall. But I think like that's important though, right? Exposure, mm-hmm. right? It's important to, because the more we avoid it, the stronger it becomes. Right. Absolutely. Right? This is anything in our life. And again, right? Fear of public speaking. We're not all going out and giving TED Talks every other week. Like sometimes it is a it's it is hard to expose ourselves. Like we're not going to go get our blood drawn every week to help with that phobia, but certain things we can really work towards um, in that kind of systematic desensitization um, of taking those baby steps to 
at least desensitizing ourselves to the point that it's not overwhelming, that we're not having a panic attack, that we're not like that we can function, um, that we don't have to cross the street to walk past a yard when there's a dog sitting at their front door. Totally. Exactly. Absolutely. Are we ready for some poll questions? Let's go to the poll. Let's do it. What do they got to say this time? Okay, so uh, thank you all who answered the poll question. So the first question that we asked was, do you have a specific fear or phobia? And 51% of people said yes. So Mm -hmm. over half. um, 15% said no. 26% said sort of. Which I just added that as an option because I feel like it's somewhere in the middle, but I'd be interested to know what people um, said. And then eight percent said they're unsure. So any wow, that was more that was more than I thought it was going to be. Honestly, fifty um, percent. Yeah, I wonder if the unsure are people who are like, you know, what I don't like this. I can tolerate it. Yeah. If I need to, but I just don't. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Right. I could see that. Wonder that, yeah, or and then thinking of sort of, I wonder if it's like maybe in certain circumstances they've feared things, but in others they haven't. I don't know. I'm trying to think, even though I created the question, <laughs> what people could. Yeah. I like I like that there's more options though because I think it does capture people like KBI said who like you know maybe not sure or like it could have been something that they grew out of or worked oh, on. True. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, so the next question we asked is, do you know the difference between a fear and a phobia? And 61% said yes, 20% said no, and 20% said they were unsure. I hope you know now. Mm. Well, it would be interesting to get feedback from the group members, like based on our discussion of fear versus phobia and see what, how if we define them the same as they would, words. That would be really cool. Agreed. The next question uh, was, do you know the therapy interventions for phobias? 22% said yes, 36% said no, 35% said some of them, and 6% said unsure. So pretty even spread. So hopefully, I guess since 22% said yes, the other, what, 78% has learned something from this session. Um, the next question was, have you developed new fears or phobias since COVID? Mm. 33% said yes. Mm-hmm. 36% said no. 21% said sort of, and 9% said unsure. So even if we're just looking at the would, yes, that's one third of people. Wow. I would bet $30. Wow. 30. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Because, because I know I'd lose it. I would bet $30 that m- those increases or fears have everything to do with social. I bet they're all social. 90% are, are social. What about germs? Well, I was going to say, and, and the other is like the medical. Other, the, other, the other 10% is like a medical. Mm, yeah. Oh my God. Like, co- like a fear of COVID, like a, mm-hmm. like a phobia of catching the virus. Probably. Yeah. You're right. That's wild. And I think about the intersectionality between that and then like all of the, you know, the political political landscape, everything else that's happened, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the past two years. And I, I wonder if that reinstills like just basic fear and then people feel even more fearful about like the phobias that they might have or germs or something like that, even though it's not related. I always think about that. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and the bucks. last, what? 
was that? Sorry. No, I was going to say 30 bucks. 30, <laughs> 30 bucks. Such um, a, a I know amount. that I'm going to lose it because 20 bucks seemed too low, but <laughs> anything, ab- anything above 30, I was like, I'm not willing to lose. <laughs> like, it's my- there, there was a lot of thought in KPIs. <laughs> I, don't, I, like I don't get I like that. I don't get money in my birthday cards anymore, okay? <laughs> so I don't just got money to throw around. We're sen- we're just, we're sending you some. Don't we'll worry. send you ten bucks. There's your thirty bucks. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And the last question, which was probably the most important we asked, is how do you feel about candy corn? Since this episode is dropping on Halloween. <laughs> what the fuck? So I'm nervous. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in um, ascending order from least percentage to most. So 12% of people have no opinion on candy corn. Okay. 22% say they love it. 31% say it's okay. And 35% say it's trash, disgusting, gross, or repulsive. God damn it. <laughs> it was Come 22. You said, you said 22% said that they like it? Yes, 22%. Mm. I mean, well, those 22% of our group members don't have taste buds. What? Oh, oh okay, listen. I, okay, okay. Let me can, – can, can I just Sorry put a that. little qualifier here? I don't think I would want – I wouldn't be jazzed about candy corn if it wasn't spooky season. If it's like Christmas, I'm not eating candy corn. I'm just not. You know? Okay. What if they make Christmas candy corn? Like little that. trees. <laughs> yeah. If they, if they made it into trees, I would eat it. Like, come on. It's like festive, you know? <laughs> Little bunnies for Easter. Yeah. Heart candy yeah, corn for yeah. Valentine's Day. You must. So wait, you like it enough, though. Like, to me, it's not just the festive element. Because you're like, right. I would eat little trees that are <laughs> the Bye. same wax and sugar. That's all Bye, I do. Justin. Goodbye. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there we have it. Um, the 22% was probably just K10 answering on all her I different accounts. I did. Wait, wait, can I be honest with you? I went on all my burner accounts and I. So this, so this election was rigged. Listen. This poll was rigged. I gotta be honest for ethical reasons. I did. I did. There was four, no five accounts. We I, can't publish these findings now. No, it's, it. it's no, no five accounts. You know I love research. I was going to go write a paper about this, K-10, and you just yeah, ruined it. I know. I'm sorry. You can redo it. I won't, I won't impede. I'm an, ex- I'm an extraneous variable that you have to account for. Sorry. <laughs> can't. Well, on that note, uh, Justin, do we have listener questions? Oh, Dr. Jess, we have listener questions, but it's time for surprise battle. That's right, surprise battles are dropped on the other group in a surprise for the educational and entertainment purposes. This surprise battle is the Dr. J's. That's right, Dr. Jess and Dr. J versus the Kristens. Question number one, and we do keep score. Question number one, identify the fear or phobia named without using Google or any resources, Kristen's, we're watching you. (laughs) Here is the technical name. You tell us what the fear is. Glossophobia. Fear of mirrors. Is that the Kristen's final answer? (laughs) I've never heard of it, so I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Dr. Jess, what's your guess for Team J's? Can't. I love how there's one. There, it's two against one. Technically. Yes. What? How is this? Fair? You said glossophobia. That's correct. 
Isn't that fear of public speaking? That is correct! <laughs> One zero. Wow. Starting out hot here. Next question. Astrophobia. Go ahead, Kristen's astrophobia. Fear. Fear of space. Final answer. Final answer. Okay. Dr. Jess. So, so that was my gut instinct, but from your face, I'm thinking it's different. So Astra, Astra. Maybe like oh. thunder, lightning, I don't something up there. Oh, that's exactly right. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, wow. So right now, let's what? go to the score. If we go to scoreboard, it's what? two for the Dr. J's and zero for the Christmas. I think this is rigged. I'm good. Round number three. Sinophobia. Sinophobia. We have five to go through this round number three. Sinophobia. KBI looks like she's Googling something right now. No, I'm I Googled astrophobia. Here. I don't want to cheat. Is it? I, I Googled astrophobia because I didn't believe Justin. Wait, wait. Justin, what's the, what's the one? What, what is it? Sorry. I'll pronounce it one more time and I can use it in a sentence. Can you please use it in a sentence? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. Can you, Sinophobia is a top five common phobia. Sinophobia. Oh, so it wouldn't be feel it wouldn't be fear of billboards. <laughs> Wait, what I can't believe we're playing this game right now. Hold on. Surprise you know, battle. Starting with C or an X. C Y N O Okay. Phobia. Okay, okay, okay. I have no fucking idea. Kristen, do you know? Sinophobia? I'm thinking like sinophobia. I'm, I'm a master's level clinician. <laughs> well, you clearly have more guesses than me. God damn. I was going to guess fear of billboards. Okay, then guess it. That's it. Final answer. Fear of billboards. All right, all right. Locked it in. Uh, Dr. Jess, uh, any thoughts? It's a tough one. I actually randomly do know this one. It's fear of dogs. It is fear of dogs. Yes, right? Like, wow, we got smart. a commanding three-zero lead. This is going to be it's going to be tough. It seems impossible to come back. But we're not round here. number four. Nosophobia. Nosophobia. I know so no name. No, no, no. <laughs> I've heard of it. I've heard of this one before. God damn. Cursing's not allowed on no, this game show. You know what? No sophobia. Can you use it in a sentence, yeah, please? I've worked. Can you spell it? I've worked. Yeah, I can spell it. N O S O phobia. That was cheating. Okay. Use it. Use it in a sentence, please. Uh, What's its country of origin? Justin has worked with a client on nosophobia during the pandemic. Fear of public speaking. Final answer. Final it answer. Shows you how much I paid attention to you. All right, Dr. Jess. So you said during the pandemic? Mm. Fear of like contracting a disease maybe? Or like germ? Yeah, maybe something like that. That is correct! Yes! What? 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 Four to zero. I, this is it. I mean, we could go for the clean sweep. Here it is. Last one. Also, Ac why are no, I guess you, you pulled up the questions. You can't guess with me. Acrophobia is the final wait, question. Wait. A-C-R-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Acrophobia. What is it? What do you think? Kristen's to get one. Acrophobia. Acrophobia. Fear of failing a class because it's academics. <laughs> I was thinking acrobatic. <laughs> Fear of failing. Okay, final answer. 
Dr. Jess. I don't know any of these. K- no, K10, I think you were onto something because acrophobia is fear of heights. So acrophobia. It is a fear of heights! <laughs> wow. Jess. A, a commanding 5 0 lead. The Christians could have avoided being shut out. They would have listened to K10, KBI's birthday. <laughs> This was a surprise battle. Thanks for participating. You probably did better than the Christians, but moving on. Oh to the my great God. Listen. I'm, a, I'm a loser in all aspects of my life. Wait, so it's fine. don't talk to my friend that way. Jess, how the fuck do you know all this? Like, how do you know all this you stuff? You do stems. How, what is stems? Like acro. Like- she, she knows Latin. She paid attention oh. to Latin instead of sleeping through Latin like we did, K10. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and I'm and I'm just master's level, so I don't. Well, but the the during the pandemic, clue gave it away for me, or I guess it was a guess. There were a few hints. Thanks Jess for participating. So smart. The doctor, <laughs> the doctor J's planned the surprise battle. There'll be more. There'll be more <laughs> to drop on you. But this whole show is about the listeners. Let's go to those listener questions we so appreciate you writing in your thoughtful vulnerable questions let's start off m from kansas city who's been to kansas city yeah <laughs> the candy corn has been to kansas city. great great question here i have ocd can my fears and phobias be a theme or make my symptoms worse i mean i don't treat OCD, like I'm not a specialist in that, but I do know that there are a lot of themes in OCD. Not to deflect back to you, Justin, but you have lived experience, so I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. So much overlap between OCD and phobias, and the fear and intensity at which you fear certain things in OCD can look like a specific phobia. Some of the differences, and you can have both, so let's put that out there. You can certainly have both OCD and a specific phobia. But some of the differences are specific phobias are cued by the situation where OCD, regardless of where you might be, you might have intrusive thoughts of certain things. Sometimes the environment can cue it. But what makes it a specific phobia is you're, most people with a specific phobia aren't sitting on their couch worried about snakes, right? They're out in the grass. They're going out the front door. They're out in nature. Where OCD and having intrusive thoughts, you can be on that couch and you will get hit by your obsession anywhere. That's sort of like one of the biggest differences. I love how you describe mm-hmm. that. I feel like I learned something new. Like just in how you could conceptualize it. I like that. So they definitely OCD can have different themes, but it's one of those things where a lot of people will know or wonder, can I have both? Could I have my, you know, cleanliness OCD, but also have an intense fear of something else? And the answer is, yeah, you could, you definitely can. And it's funny, like how, when you treat people, sometimes you, you go for the thing that is interrupting their life the most of like, what, what is interrupting your day-to-day life the most if that feels like something they can work on. I love that you just highlighted that they could have both because I think a lot of times, and let me know if you all have had different experiences, people will ask, like, can I have this diagnosis and this diagnosis? Like, can I have social phobia as well as another specific phobia? Or can I have social phobia and PTSD? 
Um, so I love that you highlighted that you can have both and the fact that a specific phobia may be completely unrelated to the fears in OCD. Absolutely. Such a great question, M. So appreciate you writing that in. Ryan from Arizona with an exclamation point. So you got to be like, Arizona! I love that. Can a phobia be situational? For example, I'm claustrophobic and struggle with elevators. Part of the struggle is they don't trigger my claustrophobia every time, but I can't find a common thread for when it does. Thoughts? Oh, that's a really interesting one. And in my mind, I keep going to like agoraphobia. I don't know why. Um, but I guess the question is, can phobias vacillate? Like, can you feel it? And then can you not feel it? You know, um, when you're presented in the same situation, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so. But what do you guys think? So that's kind of what I was thinking and thinking and reflecting on our conversation. The way we describe phobias are like persistent things, fears. I don't, I was trying to find another word other than fears that really impact the individual's life. So I'm wondering, is this more of a fear of elevators because it's not consistent? And I know um, Ryan from Arizona with an exclamation point said um, that there's no theme. They've been looking for a theme, but I do wonder like if maybe it's, if there's not a theme to the elevator, kind of what other things are going on before you get in the elevator? That's something I always ask my clients when they're like, there's no pattern to it. It's like, okay, what's your mood like that day? Are you, you know, more tired? Are there more people on the elevator? Or maybe it's not more people. Maybe it's a person standing next to you, like really uncomfortably close. Or is it the size of the elevator? As somebody that works in a hospital, our elevators are all different sizes. So like a larger elevator might not be as scary. So I know I'm getting into like therapist exploration mode, but I think based on what we were just talking about, like a phobia would be persistent over time. I agree with you. Yeah. 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 She brings up an awesome point. She also said, also, I'm loving this podcast. Thanks for creating it. You know what? Thank you, Ryan. I will always scream Arizona from now on. But no, it it did make me think of like, it doesn't mean that your difficulty isn't worth seeking help for or getting treatment on. Sometimes we need that that process, that back and forth with someone to kind of understand like, what are the exact situations? Because I was thinking for myself of like, I don't meet criteria for claustrophobia, but try to put me in an MRI machine. Yo, I have to be drugged up on Valium to get into one. I can't. I can't stay there, hold still, lay there. For those of you who've had to get MRIs of your brain, yo, it's a long time to lay there in a very closed in space, but I've never had that feeling in an elevator. So it's like, you know, you think about that factor. It's like, there's something specific about the MRI machine for me that is like intense, like can't get in that thing. Have you ever seen how they give babies MRIs? Like their little hands go up and they go in the the tube. It's so cute. <laughs> so cute. You got to Google it. It's the cutest thing. Yeah, they're like this in a little tube. 
I don't know. I don't know if that would give me more. I don't know if that would give me more anxiety. It makes me giggle. I don't know. I need to bring it up because you fear it. So like maybe something like that's cute looking, you know, whatever, if you have to get it done Just, again. Justin's going to have three new fears by the end of this podcast. I know. I know. It started with me being like, well, I don't really have a fear or I don't really have a phobia. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got three, buddy. Chalk them all up. Hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Next question. Tracy from Mass. Massachusetts. Yeah. Can I, can I get a good? How do you say Massachusetts? If Massachusetts. From, you, Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with the accent, like asshole. Is it? Well, I don't. You're know a asshole if you're from Massachusetts. I can say that because I'm originally from Massachusetts, but nobody can tell because I intentionally. And I can say that because I'm from Maine. Accent. And I can say that because I'm Boston, from Maine. Boston, Worcester. Boston. We love you all. We love you all the same, Tracy. What's the best way to get over over a phobia of having a panic and anxiety attack while driving, specifically on the highway, after having them come on while I've been on the road? Scary situation there. Absolutely. That's so scary. I'm trying to think of what treatments. Like, so I didn't get my license until I was 22. Did not know because, that because, yeah, fun fact. Um, because no, 21, sorry, 21. I got it this summer, um, before I moved to Maine. Um, I got it because I had such a fear of driving. And this is where we talk about things compounding. I was a passenger in three accidents in, in the, in the, like a period of six months and it stopped being, I wasn't driving. I was a passenger, but it started to compound. So it started turning into, I wouldn't even get on the highway. And a lot of times with that, it's getting, I have found as far as my, my own treatment and, and overcoming that fear is it's finding that safe person to start doing that with. And like, for example, I started where I would drive at 3am on the highway where there was no one on the highway. Um, because where I was at, it wasn't like a major interstate or anything like that where I could, I could get on a highway and I could merge. I could drive past the sole other 3am driver. Um, it's sometimes you have to break that fear down to smaller, more manageable pieces. Um, and again, that first time I had someone with me, I was driving my friend's car with them and they were like, come on, like you got to work on this. And so 3am driving down route 30 in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, well, one thing you just brought up, KBI, that we haven't mentioned yet in the podcast is that safe person. Because a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. with like social phobias, usually have like a safe person. So if they are scared of going out to the mall because it's crowded, sometimes people will feel more comfortable doing so when they're with this safe person because they know that they're safe, that person can help them if they're feeling anxious or panicked. Um, so I love that you brought that up, um, especially if that person can help like mm-hmm. calm you. And I think it also mm-hmm. just back to the question goes to, you know, that systematic desensitization, that, you know, gradual exposure to things, um, mm-hmm. learning coping skills, like panic attacks are scary. Um, especially when they're in a situation like driving where like there is actual danger because like panic attacks themselves aren't dangerous, but if you're having one while driving, it can be. Um, But as we've said so much on this podcast episode already, the avoidance is just going to increase Mm -hmm. that fear. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why the nuance of like working with a professional of like like KBI suggested of like what's your hierarchy? Like what's the thing that's like a ten for you? Which is a lot of times people out there who aren't in the mental health field they just assume like you flood. They assume you're getting on the highway, you know, during rush hour at your most feared point, and we're just like doing this thing. It's like the reality is we'd like to work up. We want to start with something that seems more manageable. Like, and that's why a lot of times you'll even talking about it is a form of exposure. As me and K10 witnessed earlier about talking about giving blood. Like, oh my God. That was a bit of exposure for us. I know I was feeling the same. I was chopping my feet over here. But like you work up, you work up the ladder of like what is something you feel like you can tolerate and a low end that's Mm -hmm. like two or three or four. But there's, mm-hmm. there's plenty of ways and nuanced ways to do this that you can work up to that. And I, I know learning regulation, learning how to reset the system is a tool that can help you work up that ladder. Mm-hmm. You make a really good point too, because I think about like the, the hierarchy and how you said just talking about it. And I think there's what the difference between like in vivo and in vitro exposure mm-hmm. as well, like in yeah. your mind and kind of like, you know, alone and then in real life, like actually going and driving, you know, maybe it's like looking at a picture of a car, you know, that's one thing or, and like driving is another, you know, it's two different experiences, but both can actually help you get over that fear or the phobia. Well, and I know virtual reality is being used a lot in therapy for things like driving phobias, phobias of airplanes, things that, you know, I don't, I mean, it's probably hard to get on an airplane unless you live like (laughs) right by an airport or things like that, but to do like actual exposure. But I know where I did my internship um, the year I was there and then thereafter they invested in a virtual reality um, system that was therapeutic. Like all the, I don't do virtual reality, but like modules, interventions were phobia related. Um, So that's another option if there is somebody in your community and you have access to go to therapy. Um, yeah, virtual reality is like a safer way to like practice driving without actually getting behind the wheel first. Mm-hmm. Justin, can you imagine getting your blood drawn through like VR? Like- <laughs> I, I just imagine me reaching over and finding yeah, the like, virtual doctor like <laughs> they virtually arrest me because I'm grabbing right. the doctor's arm like breaking it, running out, and you're like, why did why did Justin's virtual therapy turn into Grand Theft Auto? And then you have like criminal charges in like a different dimension. Like how does that work? That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Oh my God. If anything happens to my social accounts and you just see like jail bars put over my profile, you know what happened. I tried to do virtual therapy and I when the <laughs> I'll be looking for the Florida man story to come out about. Oh you. my god! Florida, Florida man gets arrested for assaulting virtual reality nurse. Honestly, that would be fitting. That's, There's probably already a Florida story story about that. Florida's Sad wild. Not even surprising. Let's I know it's, it. it is. It's wild down here. It's always interesting. That's what I sell people on it. If you like interesting. That's the new state motto. Thank you so much, though, on a serious note, Tracy, for that question. Because, again, a lot of these things can be scary. And you think about, like, driving and stuff like that. It's like no one wants to be caught in the middle of a panic attack in something that's not safe Mm -hmm. or having a big, you know, 
uh, phobic reaction to something. So I really appreciate that question. Melissa, all the way from Germany. Hey. We had a different person from Germany last week because I don't think it was Melissa from Germany. That's awesome. I, I wish I knew anything in German to say thank you, but I know nothing. Danke. Danke. What's that? Danke. Sch- Danke. Thank you. Yeah. Got hey, it. Got it. Jess bails at that once again. <laughs> Jess I took German. Has an IQ. <laughs> Jess's IQ is off the charts in this, in this no, episode. I can't even for handle real. it. <laughs> I want Jess to be on my team for Jeopardy. I want Jess's brain. So. Like just for a day. Just borrow I don't it, think you please. want my brain. The I don't know if I want to go that far. Neuroticism. But. Anyways, back to the question. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, all the way from Germany. What would you say or how can we deal with a severe contamination, fear, and phobia of germs? It's been really hard for me since COVID hit. Totally get that. And do we need to approach it differently if the phobia originally was due to a trauma? So so many interesting parts of that. But that last part, again, is like, do we go about phobias differently if they came from a trauma, which does happen? Mm-hmm. It does. Oh my God, this is such a good question. Because I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm like trying to conceptualize if this person came to me, right? What would mm-hmm. I treat first? Like, what would you actually treat first? Because sometimes there's multiple concerns, right? And then if you treat one concern, then you sometimes the symptoms of the other diagnoses will remit with time, you know? For example, if you treat anxiety, then usually sleep gets better and vice versa, you know? Um, mm. But with trauma, I mean, I, I think you definitely have to look at it from a trauma-informed lens, which I think we all look at everything with a trauma-informed lens. But I I have, I don't even know where I would start, guys. I don't even know. I'd probably so, do the trauma first, but I don't, I'm well, not sure. Go ahead. I, no, no. I was going to say, like, what is the most – or the, the thing that's interfering with their functioning mm-hmm. most? Is it the actual, like, fear of germs? Or is it – the intrusive memories related to the trauma that caused the fear um, of germs. And I think, or, and also I like to ask my clients, like, where, where do you want to start? Like, what would you feel most comfortable Mm -hmm. tackling? And if they're like, oh, I need to get over this fear of germs, but we're doing exposure with response prevention, which is what I would do for that. And it's not getting anywhere, then maybe we have to take a step back and address the trauma I remember I had a professor in grad school who did exposure with re- with response prevention um, for a germ phobia, and it got up to the point that she would make her clients sit the whole session with their hands in dirt, and they weren't mm-hmm. allowed to wash them until the end of the session. Obviously, like they worked all the way up to that, but I remember like being like you know bright eyed first year in graduate school, being like, "Wow, that's so cool." But I do think, you know, yeah, that exposure with response prevention. And I would also validate, like, given everything we've gone through in the past couple of years, like, to some extent, anxiety about germs, like, should be there. I hate using the word should, but, like, to protect ourselves and our health. So, like, figuring out to what point is it disrupting your functioning versus what is manageable as well. I love that. I seriously love that. And I love how you make it more client-centered too. Because in 
in the intake, I always ask like, what's the most pressing, you mm. know? Um, and I think it's important to get your client's feedback. So yeah, I would be curious to see what would be more pressing, you know, and interfering. Yeah. That's an interesting part about this. Cause like, I feel like it's naive to say like, you know, like as a therapist, like what intervention you should do next. I think we're assessing as we go. I think it is much more of like collecting data, looking at the client's response, but that's why starting with the client's wishes is sometimes the best because I, like if someone told me, oh, I, you know, I worked with this type of client and we did the, ex the great, you know, gradual exposure first and it helped a lot. I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if someone's like, no, we went right for the trauma and it was so interesting how it lifted things and really freed them up from this folk. I wouldn't be surprised either. But I think that's the interesting about this field is like, there isn't like a right or wrong with a lot of things. It's assessing what do we feel comfortable working on and making movement towards together? And that might change as we go forward and we might realize, oh, we got to kind of shift course a little bit here. But it's funny how it's not a specific science of, again, mm -hmm. like we'll do this and for sure it's going to equal that. I think it always depends. Typical Human. psychologist response. Humans, right? <laughs> but I think that's, I mean, you highlight a good point, Justin, about and, and this is not directly related to the question, but, you know, and we've talked about treatment interventions. Okay. Yeah. Gradual exposure, exposure with response prevention, systematic desensitization. And at the same time, what you just brought up is you also have to figure out what works for the client. And at the end of the day, like, you know, there can be all the evidence base in the world for exposure with response prevention, but if that is not where the client is and that doesn't work for them, we as clinicians, it's our duty to pivot and use a different evidence-based intervention or meet them and address something else that may in turn alleviate their symptoms to a greater extent than yes. the previous intervention. Yeah. It's like KBI always says, sometimes we just fuck around and find out. That's the title <laughs> I mean of her upcoming book, Fuck Around and Find Out. <laughs> find out i don't know what book i'm writing i mean i maybe i i think i just pitched you your book and i'm excited to read <laughs> and review and have the little quote on the back and being like this is the greatest book i've ever read thanks for the title justin, justin is just throwing like every curveball in the book today this is the most wild episode I think we're ever going to record. And if this is like, mm. if this is like a precursor to future episodes, I literally have to like buckle up every time, like, and in the front row of the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And virtual reality, get my blood drawn. Like, it's seriously crazy. Like, I we talked about so much so far. Chaotic <laughs> energy is the only energy I know. Mel from Wisconsin, thank you so much. What alternative treatments for phobias? What are alternative treatments to phobias that don't involve exposure therapy? When I read this, I loved it so much. I was like, Mel, what are you avoiding? <laughs> <laughs> Mel doesn't want to approach the topic. <laughs> I mean, I know there's some like ansiolytic medication to help with <laughs> yeah. anxiety. I was too. Yeah. And then I think of alternative, right? So it's not like a traditional sort of treatment. And I'm thinking of like, I don't know. I'm thinking of just like the major ones are systematic desensitization, exposure with response prevention, right? Like those are two like big ones. And then I'm thinking, okay, 
what if somebody isn't receptive to that? Then what would I do? You know what I mean? Like how would I actually treat it? And I think I would think about the medication route. And then I, I don't know, I guess you have to kind of figure out, you could even do like, it's kind of like a poll, but like motivational interviewing and like, mm. like a mm. mixture of stuff, I guess. That's maybe how I would think about it. Um, but I don't know any like strong alternatives unless you guys do. I feel like CBT comes up every time. Like you, you can type in anything and they'll be like, cognitive behavioral therapy. Like comes up for literally everything. <laughs> in that like, voice. Always, yeah. It's been researched the most and that's great and that's awesome. But I, I think there's real value in processing the thoughts, having the open space to talk about them, understanding like how they arise, maybe how they you know, impact your behaviors. I think if you got to the emotion of things, that might be helpful too. It is hard for me to imagine though, It I, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but if it's a true phobia, I just have a tough time envisioning like, like getting on the other side without any form of exposure, yeah. like any form at all. Like I have a tough time and maybe I soak in the bathwater, you know, too much of like exposure is the way, but it's just hard for me to envision of like, so are you just going to do that on your own? Like you hope like through the cognitive processing, the reframing of things, the emotional, that then just on your own, you're going to be able to sort of approach this in a way that isn't avoidance. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm with you on that. I'm even like trying to think like, I'm trying to think outside the box too. Like, even if I were to think about like act, like- That's where my mom's therapy, going. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, if there's- um, a phobia or even a fear that you have that's like hindering you from living a really decent values-based life, then of course you're going to have to like switch things up. But to Justin's point, I think that might include exposure, right? Because you have to work through that unless you could technically avoid this thing forever, you know, whatever the phobia mm -hmm. is. But yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I, I was thinking act two or even... <laughs> It's probably unconventional. I was like, okay, radical acceptance. You're just accepting the fact that you're going <laughs> to have this phobia. But I guess like going back to one of the first things you said, Justin, is like, what are you avoiding? Like, is there a reason that you don't want to do exposure therapy? Um, and maybe it is like going back to KBI talking about flooding. Like maybe you've had bad experiences where a therapist was like, oh, you're scared of elevators. I'm going to push you on an elevator and you're going to go up. And that was more traumatizing. Um, but, you know, maybe it's doing other evidence-based interventions to address that avoidance, that underlying fear, the concerns about it, more psychoeducation. I know that still gets to the end point of potential exposure therapy outside of medication. But I mean, I never want to do an intervention that somebody is like adamantly against. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think there could be like, you know, a warming up period, like you're talking about, you know, like, hey, let's like, not only talk about exposure therapy, but talk about what your life would be like if we didn't do this, you know, like, I mean, I know that you don't want to, but like, let's even if we don't end up doing it, like, what would your life look like, you know, 10 years from now, like, if you don't work through this? I mean, I think that's, there's some utility in, in that, um, like Justin was saying, kind of processing those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stephanie from Washington asks, what is your biggest fear or phobia? KBI. <laughs> Just lay it on us. Fucking space. <laughs> Alien. I knew it. Fucking 
the the reality of don't look up coming true. Oh god. Like like there are aliens out there. I don't know why we're trying to fuck around and find out with them. We we've all watched Independence Day. Like, they will come and they will destroy everything. So that's the final oh. chapter of your book is <laughs> fuck around and find out, but not with the aliens. But I don't know what wins more. I don't know if it's the aliens in space or the open waters and the sharks eating me and what's beneath that. Ooh. So the, is it the vastness? Is that what I'm getting? Like yeah. both- I'm, I am minuscule mm. in this world. I am teeny tiny. I don't need to know what's at the bottom of the ocean. I know that it will destroy me. I don't get in the ocean because the sharks will eat me. It's their home. If if they came into my home, I'd probably eat them too. I like that analogy though. No, no, I straight up like that because think about it. We're just stomping all over, like crushing hermit crabs, like not caring, not giving a shit. Why are we it crushing is- hermit crabs? I don't know. I'm making this up. Like I, I would imagine like, if you're go- on the beach, like you step on something and you kill something by accident. Like- I'll go in the water, like, up to my knees, maybe my lower half of my waist. But no. it The sharks will eat me. The jellyfish will get me. The aliens will take me and probe me. What if the they, aliens... I just... What if the aliens are chill as fuck? Like, what if they, like, vibe? They're... You think they're going to vibe with us humans? They probably go past Earth and they're like, well, I don't want to go there. It's trash. But, like, if they decided to come to us and say hi, I mean, I would imagine that they would be pretty chill. I don't know. Do you think we'll be chill? You won't be, but... I was going to say, K-10 would definitely vibe with some aliens. I would no. be like, abduct me, please. Mm-hmm. Get me out of here. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, black holes? What's a black hole? We don't know. We don't it's know. It's the vastness. I, but I, like, in all seriousness, like, I, I hear you. There's something about, like, the vastness and that, like, great unknown and feeling so minuscule that, that can be unsettling. I'm sure there's people listening who are like, KBI, I totally agree. But me and K10 mm-hmm. are just the type that, like, if we could get blasted in space right now, like, you would never see our oh faces my God. again. I feel like I'd be the coolest astronaut, but I probably wouldn't get any work done. I'd be like, yo, did you see that black hole over there? Holy shit. You would be, like, I flipping things really- upside down and being like, yo. <laughs> yeah. I will I will save getting blasted for, for Earthside. <laughs> like... <laughs> She gets a pass. I know, I know. She always gets a pass. <laughs> also like, true. On, let's, be, let's be real. <laughs> it's my birthday, guys. I get a pass all day. <laughs> but that's like, like, no, I don't, I don't want to go into space. I don't. Mm-mm. I mean, like, even just being in an airplane when I, like, I don't have a fear of airplanes, but like, when I look down and I realize, like, I when I flew over Kansas, and it, I just saw the emptiness. I was like, mm, nope. Yeah, because there's nothing in Kansas. No, Other than, like, Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy's Toto. out there. Toto. No, I'm with you, though. I think, like, when I think about what's in the ocean, and I think about, maybe it's a fear for me, not really a phobia, but I think about, like, all the things I could get my feet, and, like, I just picture getting, like, sucked under. Or, I, I just, like, I don't know why I think about that. But Is I don't it- think about sharks, really. It's like goes to show it's like one person's phobia could be another person's thrill. It's like heights, mm-hmm. like someone jumping off a building. That's someone's thrill. Like for me, like the thought of being blasted in space or the times I've been like snorkeling, diving in the vastness, it gets me out of my head. Like it, it makes me feel pleasurable of like my little worries and stuff mean nothing. So it makes me feel better. But I think about that of like, 
But if I'm up on a building, they're like, jump. I'd be like, no, you need to see. Don't, don't you do that. Like, <laughs> Doesn't no work that way. No, thanks. I don't care that you have a parachute. I'm not going near that edge. For people that like, what is it, paraglide or whatever? They're yeah. just like, they look like Batman or whatever. And they just like jump. And I'm like, yo, that shit's weird. Like, cool, but not for me. Like, not for you. Never. I mean, I've you? already highlighted my two phobias. Clowns and cockroaches. Like, I really think that's it. <laughs> I was thinking of the combination of those two. I was literally thinking the exact same thing. Why are we <laughs> a clown the cockroach? Person. A cockroach with a little party hat? Little, like the nose? Poor Jess. Yeah, this is exactly... We all exposed each other at some point during this. We all, mm. we all tried. We know how KBI is with editing like photos and stuff. Like I'm terrified to open our group chat anytime now that you're just going to send like a cockroach with a clown face on it. Let's make, let's make a pact to not do that to Jess. <laughs> like, we have to agree. We have to select. Without, war- without warning her first. Yeah. Okay. And getting consent. Yes, consent. I can utilize my coping skills. There we go. <laughs> hey, Jess, I found this really cute clown cockroach. Can I send it to you? And I would say, no, thank you. But I appreciate you asking. <laughs> That's on boundaries. And we all need them. Hey, how about we how about we take this thing home? KBI. So yeah, I mean we spent what the last hour talk hour and a half talking about phobias and fears and everything in between, honestly. And so as you know, over on our Instagram page, each week we post a post that asks you to reflect on our episode and we leave you with one question. And that question this week is, what is a step that you could take right now in overcoming a fear or phobia that you have? So head over to our Instagram page, comment on the post, share it with your friends, and we'll reflect on it next week. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing with us. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and share our episode when it comes out. And we will see you next week in group therapy. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) Woo!